morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Uh, I follow up on Pastor Walter's welcome to welcome you. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm thankful that you are with us here in person. And those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you this morning as well. I want to also bring to your attention, as we always do, um, the uh, time of worship through giving. You can do so online at homesavenue.com forward slash give, or you can do so uh, for those of you that are here with us today. You can do so as you leave this morning. Uh, we'll have some information as well on the Janie Chapman offering that we're going to show you at the end uh, for state missions. We'll show that at the end of our gathering this morning. Uh, but this is, if this is your first time with us today or first time with us in a while, for those of you here or online, uh, we have been journeying through the book of Acts over the last several weeks and uh, we are now in our second mini-series, uh, Faith Empowered. And in this series, we are uh, seeing God do some pretty incredible things. And we have been in the fourth chapter of Acts for the last several weeks. And today we're going to conclude that. Um, and, well, almost conclude it. We'll, we'll put the final stamp on it next week going into chapter 5 as well. But we're going to see the, the last little bit of chapter 4 here before doing that. And, and what we're seeing here today is specifically how Peter and John, after they've gone and they've gone through everything that they've had happen to them that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, they, they've healed this lame man there at the beautiful gate. He's able to be healed and it causes the big commotion and everybody's around and the religious leaders are like, what is going on here? And Peter boldly proclaims Christ and then they're arrested. And we're, we're talking about this in the midst of persecution and the things that come with that. And we see specifically that they are released today. And they are then going before their friends, the, the members of the church, and they're proclaiming what God has done here. And we see a powerful, bold prayer proclaimed to God today. And so I've entitled today's message, Bold Prayers. Bold Prayers. And I know we just sat down, but I want to ask you to go ahead and stand with me. We're going to go right into the text this morning as we read Acts chapter 4, 23 through 31. So please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 4, starting in 23. The word of the Lord says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity we've had thus far, Lord, to gather as the church here at Holmes Avenue and proclaim your name in song and worship. Lord, we come to you in prayers, and Lord, we're praying to you now, and we're about to, to study your word. So, Lord, I pray for this time as your word is proclaimed. Lord, I pray that you would speak. Lord, I pray that we would listen, that we would have ears to listen, Lord, that our hearts would, would be repentant towards you if we need to be repentant, Lord, that we would confess things before you, Lord, that we would have an open heart, open ears to hear what you may say today and what direction you may be leading us into. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to be 
with our friends over at Centerpoint Church at Remount. Lord, as they are probably right now already fully in the midst of it, or, or maybe even at the conclusion almost of their time of casting vision as they do meet a little prior to us, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through Craig and, and Joe and David and the rest of the team, Lord, as they boldly proclaim what you have for them. Father, for us, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in us, that you would increase, we would decrease, that you would get the glory. We love you and we bless you. In the strong name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Today we're going to see in this passage how bold prayers addressed to our sovereign Lord are rooted in the Word of God and they sometimes require sacrifice. And so if you're taking notes, I want to go ahead and encourage you to write down the first point today is bold prayers are rooted in God's attributes. Bold prayers are rooted in God's attributes. Let's look at 23 again. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So we see there that they have left the people that have been persecuting them, that had arrested them, that have been telling them not to proclaim the name of Jesus to, to stop all of this and to no longer do it. And yet they leave from there and they go and report what had happened. You have to imagine the different emotions that are taking place. I mean, for Peter and John to be sitting there and going through all that they've gone through, the, the highs and the lows there are just that, that little period of time from being in jail overnight and, and being told not to proclaim the name of Christ. And then you have to also imagine what the, the church is hearing. And we're going to see the response here in these next verses of, of what their response is to hearing this news. Hearing the news of the persecution that has come before John and Peter. And, and we're going to see their bold response to say, if that is the case, then bring it. We want to proclaim the name that is Jesus Christ. Look at 24. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Let's stop there for a moment. We see here in 24 that these Christians, they hear what has happened. They cry out to God in prayer. There's an obvious oneness amongst them. There is unity amongst this body because they lifted their voices to God together. They do it in one accord together. Now we've seen in Acts so far, I mean, here we are in chapter 4, but we've seen in several different places. I'm going to read them for you real quick. Acts 1.14. All these with one accord were gathered together, or were together, devoting themselves to prayer and together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Then we also saw in Acts 2.46, and day by day they attended the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This group of believers, they are together. There is a oneness. They are doing these things together. So in this moment of hearing these words from Peter and John of what has happened to them, they together cry out to God. In unity, in one accord, together, cry out to God, and they first address Him, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. They recognize God as the Sovereign Lord to point to the reality that this persecution that has just taken place to Peter and John, it doesn't catch God by surprise. It doesn't. And I think that's a good thing that we need to always stop and remember in our lives because God is Sovereign. God sits on the throne. God is not surprised by anything that takes place in our lives. Much good can still come out of the evil things that we encounter, the things that are difficult in our lives. I hope she doesn't mind me even saying this. Last night, I, was, I got a text message from Trisha late. I was asking her a question about something, and she texted me back, and she was in the middle of watching a documentary about 
And she said, I've heard so many people in this documentary, they're mentioning, they're like, where is God in the midst of this? But even in the midst of this, in the days and weeks after, we hear stories, countless stories over and over and over again of how God was still there in the midst of that. And I was like, you're spot on. Because even here in my own life, I saw examples in, in people, in, and just like Walter, I was in the eighth grade and I was in this social studies class. And I'm hearing all this stuff and I, I witnessed how God used the situation to move and work in my teacher's life whose son was in the military. It was just a powerful thing to see. God is sovereign. God is in control, even when we see difficult things happen in our life. In this context, for these believers facing the persecution, it wasn't outside of the scope of God and his control. God knew that this would take place. Matter of fact, you may remember from a couple of weeks ago, we were talking and I referenced to you Matthew chapter 10, 16 through 20, where Jesus says to his disciples way before the cross, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my name's sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious for how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. When we looked in the account from just two weeks ago where Peter starts to boldly proclaim Christ, we see this example of this verse that Jesus spoke come to life. Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit, boldly proclaims Christ in the face of persecution. And he's arrested for it. Because of the sovereignty of God, the believers here, when they're praying this prayer and they're addressing God as sovereign Lord, they know that God is aware of what has happened. I mean, they've seen Jesus risen in the flesh before them. They know God is who he says he is. They know that God has not left them to be alone, even in the midst of difficult times. Now, they say God is sovereign Lord, but then they also say, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They continue in their acknowledgement of God as sovereign Lord. And the believers acknowledge that he has done this through creative things. It's for who he is. He's the God who spoke everything into existence. Now, if you want to just write down some references in your notes, this won't be on the screen. But you can write down Psalm 146, verse 6. 146, verse 6. You can write down Isaiah 37, verse 16. Isaiah 37, 16. These are just two examples in Old Testament writings of how we see this creation attached when God is being addressed, when, when there's proclamation of what God has done. He is the sovereign Lord who created the heavens and the earth. And just as these believers had such comfort in God, we must have the same type of fearful reverence to Him because God is in control of all things. He sits sovereignly on his throne. He's not caught off guard by anything. And there's a, a trajectory, if you will, of, of where we're going with this today. Because at the end of this, I pray that we see the need for us as people of God here today in 2021 at Holmes Avenue to boldly pray prayers to God. But we have to understand who we're addressing. This first point is about God's attributes. Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth. We're not just praying to some random thing. We're praying to the God of creation. 
We are praying to the God who is in control of all things. We need to approach him with fearful reverence for who he is. He defeated the grave. He's providing salvation to all who would repent and believe. He is in control of all things. Therefore, there is no reason to fear. There is no need to fear persecution when you may face persecution in this life. Now, we've addressed, we we may not necessarily right now face persecution, much like those believers are facing right now in Afghanistan or across the globe. There may be times in your life where you face some kind of persecution here in an American context. Are you willing to be bold for the Lord, as we talked about a few weeks ago? Are you willing to be bold like these believers here in this account? As they're praying these things, and we're going to see specifically what they ask of God here in just a moment. But he's in control of all things, therefore we should not fear. We should not fear persecution when it may come. We should should not fear things of this world that are going on today. There's a a dreaded virus going around. There's fear of of if we should get a vaccination or if we should not. There's fear of going out and about in a community that is, is just ran over with crime. And there's times where you have to be fearful in certain aspects, and I get that. But we have to also remember that ultimately God is in control of all these things, and God is going to work all things out for the good. If we are walking in step with the Spirit and we are seeking God, we should know that we can bring all things to Him and trust that He is working all things for the good. We must remember that there is an eternal perspective that we must live with. We must live in an eternal perspective. If we are in Christ and we know the Lord is who He says He is and we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, we know that He is good and that we are to live our lives for His glory, trusting Him through whatever may happen. And in the context of this passage, these believers are asking God for boldness despite persecution despite death. And for these apostles, they were martyred for their faith down the line. It's a reality for these believers. We've got to come before the Lord and pray bold prayers, but in doing so, we have to remember who we're praying to. The mere fact that God is who he says he is should be the ignition for us to just be ready and able and willing to pray bold prayers and trust that he will use us despite what may come our way for his glory. So not only are bold prayers rooted in God's attributes, bold prayers are rooted in the word of God. Bold prayers are rooted in the word of God. Look at 25 and 26. Who through, your, who through the mouth of, your fa- of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. These believers here, as they're crying out to God, they've addressed God for who he is. Now they're doing so, as I said, being rooted in the word of God, being rooted in the scriptures. They indicate this Christological interpretation of Psalm chapter 2. Specifically here for this moment, verses 1 and 2. 
They know that David's song was regarding the Lord's anointed, and they knew that it was referencing the Messiah that would come, who they knew as Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who defeated the grave. They understood the entirety of Psalm 2 describing the victory of King Jesus and the Lord's anointed over the attacks of the nations. Look at 27 as it continues to fill it out. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel." We see this continual interpretation of this psalm that they quoted there in 25 and 26. The Gentiles raged against Jesus and the people of the Romans who sentenced him to death. The peoples who plotted against Jesus were the Jews, the religious elite, the ones that wanted him dead. The kings, Herod there in that moment, the rulers found in 26, Pontius Pilate. This scripture written by David in Psalms chapter 2 pointed to Christ and the work that was about to happen, sentencing him to the death on the cross of Calvary. And these believers here, as they're crying out to God with this bold prayer and asking these things, they address God for who he is, and then they quote the scriptures back to him. I'll ask you a question. Have you ever in your time of prayer just opened the word of God and read his word back to him? It is a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing to just stop and say, you know what? I don't have, and I would encourage you of this. If you're ever in those moments, you're like, man, I don't know what to pray right now. We know that the spirit will still intercede on our behalf. But even in those moments, you're like, man, I am worn down. I am tired. I'm spent. I don't know what to say to you, God but I know that the Holy Spirit will intercede on behalf for me. But Lord, you know what? Even though I can't muster these words to you, I just want to read your word to you. This is your living and active word, so I will read it to you. I will proclaim it back to you. Here in this moment, they are proclaiming to God this fulfillment of the scripture of King Jesus, who they are boldly proclaiming and facing persecution for. Verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Here again, these believers are attributing to the sovereignty of God, indicating the rallying together and outcry against Jesus was simply to do, as I read, whatever your hand and plan had predestined to take place. God in his sovereignty predestined this to happen to Jesus because it was part of his redemptive plan. It was part of his plan for this to take place. He predestined Jesus to die a death that we should have died. Because we in our own merit, in our own worth, can't do anything to earn his favor, to earn his salvation. Because we are sinners. We are sinners who are separated from God. Therefore, God in his goodness, his grace, his kindness, his mercy, gives Jesus to die so that we may live. Such a beautiful gift that God gives. We see their understanding of God's sovereignty and this happening to Jesus as God's plan, and it gives them confidence. It gives them confidence to boldly ask what they ask. It gives us confidence to boldly ask what we ask before God. It wasn't something that took God by surprise. You see, we can look all through Scripture and we see in the Old Testament pointing to the coming Messiah, pointing to King Jesus. 
And in Isaiah 53, we, we commonly refer to it as, as the, the suffering servant passage because it talks about it. It's, it's pro- prophesying, excuse me, before the people what God will do in Isaiah 53, 10a, just that first part of verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. This description of Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. The punishment that laid upon him, it was all predestined by God, made by God, so that this would come to be. We remember all the way back in the garden, we reference it time and time again, the proto-evangelium. God telling right there before Adam and Eve and Satan in the form of the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise his heel and he will bruise your head. He will crush your head. Pointing to Jesus in what he does on Calvary's cross and his resurrection. It was all part of God's plan, even from the beginning. Brian Vickers, I've quoted him several times through these sermons. His commentary is just so rich. It describes the sovereignty of God and his predetermined plan so well. Those who know God through faith in Christ embrace God's sovereignty as part of his revelation of himself. For the early Christians, God's sovereignty is foundation to their belief in Jesus as the Messiah. He died on the cross according to the Scriptures. That is, according to God's will. His enemies murdered him according to the Scripture. Alongside all this is their conviction that people are responsible for their sins and that the gospel message of forgiveness through Jesus is the way people are saved. Sovereignty fuels their preaching because they fully embrace both God's will and his means of fulfilling that will. We can look through all the scriptures. We all see how it points to Jesus and what his finished work does what it accomplishes it's all part of god's redemptive plan so bold prayers they are rooted in god's attributes bold prayers are rooted in the word of god and lastly number three bold prayers are sacrificial bold prayers are sacrificial look at 29 and now lord look upon their threats And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Wow. Wow. These believers ask the Lord to give them boldness necessary to continue to speak his word. They ask God to give them boldness during the threats that are coming at them. They ask God as they are his servants, that they would continue to do this. That is a great reminder for us today, church. We too are God's servants. We too have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And yes, as his servants, we are commissioned to do his work. Therefore, no matter what comes our way, no matter what we face, we boldly proclaim Christ despite the cost. Pastor Walter gave a great message last week about the cost of discipleship. If you haven't heard, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. There is a cost at all times when it comes to following Jesus. We know through his word that there will be times where we will face persecution. There will be times when we have suffering as a follower of Jesus. My question is, in the midst of those times, what will we do with it? Acts 4.13 says... Now they saw the boldness of Peter and John 
and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's a, a verse that we read from last week. And in doing so, we have, to, we have to understand something. When we have this boldness, it, it leaves people almost at this moment of confusion, of just utter astoundment. Because in that moment, for Peter and John, as they boldly proclaim Christ, as Pastor Walter said, it's this moment where they're like, these are just ordinary common men. How are they able to do this? They are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ crucified despite the cost. And it left the people in shock. It left them wondering, what in the world is up with these two? So when we have these moments where we boldly pray to God, and I pray that we pray these bold prayers to God, we have to understand that they are sacrificial There will be times where we have to give up something for the sake of it, despite what comes at us. Are we ready to do that? Look at verse 30. They say that with all boldness, and then it says, While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, not only do they ask for boldness, But they also ask that in their being bold, that God would still use them to be his vessels to heal and for signs and wonders to be formed through the name of Jesus. What does that tell us, church family? What does that tell us? These believers were so focused on the mission that nothing else mattered. These believers were so focused on the mission that nothing else mattered. They recalled the words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven to go and make disciples. They recalled the words that I read a few moments ago from Matthew 10. That despite what would happen, that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to boldly proclaim whatever needed to be proclaimed in that moment facing what they faced. That was their primary goal. Their primary goal was to give glory to the sovereign God of the universe and take whatever was being brought. What faith. What powerful, awe-inspiring faith. They wanted Jesus to be made known above all things and were willing to deal with the consequences. Pastor Walter mentioned last week and this past Wednesday night in worship and prayer online that we we see what's happening in Afghanistan. We see how the church is being persecuted. We we share stuff on Facebook of of different prayer requests that are being asked. Uh, I shared one on the church page a couple weeks ago from Jonathan Lehman from Nine Marks about believers that are over there right now and what's happening. In the face of persecution, these believers are saying, this is the cost. I will not deny Christ. Now, right now, here in our country, we're not facing death in the way that the church is across the globe. But you may be in a workplace that's, that's not, not necessarily like Pastor Walter and I is at Charleston Southern where there's a bunch of Christians around you that work with you. 
You may be in a workplace that's really difficult because you have a boss that's a non-believer and they want nothing to hear about Jesus. You may be in a family and you have family members that want to hear nothing about Jesus. You may be around your neighbors that want to hear nothing about Jesus and it's hostile. Is the cost worth it? Is the cost to boldly proclaim Christ Jesus to them worth it? Now, I'm not telling you to go and get fired from your job. But if your boss came to you and said, you're going to stop talking about Jesus to these coworkers, or you're going to be fired, is the cost worth it? Is that awkward moment between you and your neighbor difficult? And it will be difficult. It's going to be hard to, to talk through that stuff. But you've been commissioned by the God of the universe to proclaim the gospel. I've been proclaimed I've been, excuse me, commissioned by God to boldly proclaim the gospel. Despite the cost, is it worth it? I would say yes. Because Christ Jesus died for us. It's totally worth it because he redeemed us from eternal separation in hell. He redeemed us from death that we deserve to die. But he was so gracious and merciful to give us life. It is worth it. It is worth it at all cost. I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul when he writes to Timothy in his second book. Chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If not when, how? It's going to probably happen. Is the cost worth it? Look at verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It's evident before us that as they cried out to God with this bold prayer, God hears them and God answers them. The building physically shakes through an earthquake. Here again, the Holy Spirit fills them to supply their need to go and proclaim the gospel with all boldness. And if you've ever read through Acts, and you will as we journey through this over the next several months into next year, we see that it only gets harder as they boldly proclaim the gospel. People are murdered for their faith. But these believers trusted because they knew what God had done for them through Jesus Christ. They were called by God and commissioned to proclaim the gospel. And so they begged God for the boldness to do this. And I have to tell you, church, this bold prayer that they pray and this answer that God gives them, it's left me this week reflecting. It's left me repenting and confessing and it's left me asking for more. Here's the thing. 
When you ask God boldly to do things like these believers are asking, you need to be ready. Because if you earnestly desire to see the gospel sent forth and see the kingdom advanced and you want to be used as his vessel, as God commissioned you to do, as he commissioned me to do, if you boldly ask him that and you say, Father, I earnestly am asking you, I want to do this. I want to be your vessel. I want to be used by you. I want to do it no matter what the cost. Be prepared because he's going to answer. Is the cost worth it? Is the cost worth it? Please hear me. I am so incredibly grateful and thankful for the freedoms we have in this country. I love being American. I love being free. Miranda can tell you, we were sitting there last night watching these specials that they had on the news of 9-11, and then we were watching the, the Yankees and the Mets play, and I don't like either team. I'm a Braves fan, but I'm watching this game, and I'm watching how they honor the victims of 9-11, and I'm just, I'm just hit with emotion, which is no surprise because I cry all the time. I'm crying right now. But I'm hit with this emotion because I can immediately go back to that day and watch what happened. I'm an American. I'm proud to be an American, but I'm a follower of Jesus first and foremost. We all are citizens of heaven if you are in Christ. I'm concerned for where the American church is headed. We have got to be bold, despite the cost. If I could have a mirror up right here, right now, I would have it right here because I'm talking to myself too, church. We've got to be bold. The Holy Spirit is still moving and he's still working. We've seen it through baptisms here. We see what God's doing. God is still moving. God is still at work. God is at work in our sister churches. And I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but I'll ask it again. What would happen, though, if we all said, Lord, here we are. Send us. And when I say that, I'm not saying that you have to say, here am I, Lord, send me, and you have to go to Afghanistan. Or you have to go to Africa or anything like that. By all means, if God is calling you to that, walk in obedience. We will send you out, and we will pray for you, and we will support you as best we can financially anyway. If God is calling you, step out in boldness and go. But if God's not calling you to step out in boldness and move somewhere because he's telling you to go to a different region or a different place, God may just very well be telling you to walk down the hallway of your house. He may be telling you to walk next door. He may be telling you to go to the next cubicle. But my prayer for our church and a prayer for the rest of our sister churches is that we would say, God, here we are. We boldly ask, Lord, despite the cost, that you would tell us to go and we will do it. We will boldly preach Christ crucified and resurrected and be used by you and prayerfully. We'll be dunking people left and right who come to faith in Jesus Christ. Are we willing to ask God to supernaturally equip us to boldly proclaim the gospel in a way that we abandon all fear of the cost.
if you're willing, I'm going to ask you that you would pray that prayer. I'm not guilting you into pray that prayer. I'm just asking you that if you're at that place and you say, yes, Pastor Walter has said it, I've said it. Lord, here is my blank check. Write it, tell me where to go. Whatever it is. Are we willing to pray bold prayers? And not just pray them, but walk in obedience through them. I'm going to ask that you would stop and reflect and pray for a few moments. Some of you are looking at your watches and being like, whoa, he's already done. I don't see the need to preach a long message on this. This is a very direct passage. I want you to stop and reflect and pray and ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me? You may be at a place and you say, I'm not willing to pray that bold prayer. And my response to you would be, stop, reflect on why. And as the Lord reveals to you why, repent of it and see where you may be going next. Where God may be leading you to step out in faith and trust him. You may be saying, I am willing and ready. And yes, I want to pray that prayer. My encouragement to you is pray the prayer. And when he gives you the boldness in that moment, understand that the Holy Spirit of God is there to speak on your behalf and use you, walk in obedience through that. And you may be saying, I'm not even at a place to pray that because I don't know who God is. And my prayer to you is, my prayer for you, is that you would know the God of the universe who created you, who knows everything about you, that knit you in your mother's womb, that breathed life into your lungs, and that has offered salvation if you would repent and believe and acknowledge him as who he is. So let's take a moment, let's pray, and then I'll pray for us. The band will come up and we'll sing in God we trust. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you are so good. You are merciful and gracious and kind. Despite our sin that separated us from you, you willingly sent your son, King Jesus, to die a death that we should have died, taking your wrath upon him, dying on that cross being buried and resurrecting to new life so that any who would repent and believe would have salvation offered to them because of the precious blood of the Lamb that was poured out for us. You are so good. And Father, we look at a passage like today and we see a prayer prayed by these believers in the early church.
For some of us, it may leave us fearful to even think to pray a prayer like that because we're worried about what could come next. But Lord, we must remember, God, that you are sovereign. Lord, that you are in control. And as always, you are with us as you promised. Or for some of us, we may be at the point where we're like, yes, I want to pray that prayer. Lord, I pray, God, that you would empower them to boldly proclaim that prayer to you. And God, that you would use them powerfully, Lord, to proclaim the excellencies of your name and what you have done. And the people that they proclaim it to, Lord, would come to faith in Jesus. Lord, even those that are here or listening right now that maybe don't know you, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their heart right now. Lord, that you would remind them of their sin that separates them from you. Lord, that you would tell them that you redeem those who repent and believe. And that today may be the day of salvation for them. However you want to speak, God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak. Holy Spirit, that you would move in this place. Father, that we would be people who love you and say we are for you and we will do whatever it takes despite the cost. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in us. Lord, that you would call us to repentance and confession. Lord, that you would call us to step out in faith and trust you and to go. Lord, whatever it is that you are saying, whatever it is that you are doing, Father, have your way in us, O God, we pray. We ask this in the name above all names, the name that is King Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.